0: Welcome to our online service. Who was the very first person that ever told you about Jesus? Who was the first person that ever invited you to church? If that happened a long time ago, it may be a little fuzzy. You may may not be able to remember. Um, It's possible that's happened in more recent years for you. Most people that ever consider Jesus seriously or going to church, it usually starts with an invitation by someone. Most people don't just up and walk into a church without thinking about it. In fact, a lot of people are online here today or will be at the park on Sunday because they were invited by somebody. And some people are there because they saw an ad or or they walked by the park or God was stirring their hearts. But taking a step towards God and then even getting deeper in a deeper investment, it, it makes a big difference when someone invites us. This morning, we're starting a brand-new message series called Come and See, and we're going to be looking at stories of people that were invited to come and see who Jesus was and what He was all about, what following Him would look like. In fact, helping people to make sense out of following Jesus is the heartbeat of this church. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights, and I'd love to get the chance to meet you and say hello and talk to you online or over email. There's one thing that's true about most of us, and we tend to be influenced by people. In fact, the more that you trust a friend, the more you're willing to let yourself be influenced by them. Because of the influence of your friends, you might watch a movie that you weren't planning to see. I actually have a friend recently, like last week, he told me he watched this incredible movie called Free Burma Rangers, and he said it was so inspiring and just heart gripping and really had like affected his perspective on life. And I thought, I've got it. I've not heard of this movie, but I have got to make time for this movie. I'd really want to see it. I was, I'm very compelled. Um, so maybe I'll do that soon. Uh, another another recommendation is getting food. You know, sometimes you're asked for restaurants in the area. There's another guy on our team who said that one day he got a hot cup of coffee from Bodie Leaf And then he got this delicious breakfast burrito down the road and he had those together while the sun was like warming his face and it set his weekend off and i thought i want that experience and so i went i went later and i got to experience those things for myself Um, another guy on our team he just asked for um, anybody know a mechanic in the area you know we've most of the folks on our team we moved this past summer and we're feeling our way around and um, if, if you do know any mechanics in Santa Clarita, let us know because <laughs> that would be helpful. Um, but it's normal that we ask for advice from our friends and we choose to be influenced by their input. One of my favorite questions whenever I'm in a group of people or we're, we're in it having a discussion, I love asking everyone to make a recommendation. Just recommend something. It could be a restaurant or a hike or a place to go or a park. And it's fun because people love talking about things that they like (laughs) and and also the recommendations are helpful. In fact, if you're online right now, you could even do this. If if you want to, go ahead and type something in, Um, type in a recommendation from the town that you live in, maybe your favorite restaurant or um, a a place that you like to be outside or something like that, just for fun and uh, we we can maybe (laughs) collect those afterwards. Um, So, maybe you've gotten some recommendations, or maybe you've become a promoter of various experiences in life. I mean, your friends, what restaurant would they say that you recommend and promote? Um, Or maybe you've watched an incredible movie and you can stop talking about it for days. Or you got a new app on your phone, or a good family doctor, or a cooking gadget, whatever it is, you maybe have used your influence and your friends took action and you know, you promoted a new experience for them. Have you ever used your influence to compel someone to try something new? You might, you know, some people say, you gotta try this, it'll change your life. (laughs) And you know, it's kind of a funny thing to say, but many of us have had life-changing experiences, things that have really changed our life for the better. You know, beyond the restaurants and and food and you know, the, the tech and all that. One big experience that dramatically changed my life was becoming a parent. And I tell people, I love being a dad. It's it's amazing, it has completely changed my life. I love it, and so I, I recommend it. There Another life-altering situation may be when you had persevered through some difficulty and some people really helped you, and you, you promote that and you say this, this is what's needed when, when people go through trouble. Or maybe you read a book or went to a conference that shaped your perspective on life in a new way. And you, you, would, you would really encourage other people to have their perspective shaped that way too. My life and the quality of my family life here, this is my home that we're in right now, in this living room, a lot of life happens. Um, My life and my family's life has been so dramatically altered by the community and the relationships of our sending church that, you know, we were there for about 13 years and a good portion of that time, I was on staff at that church, but there was so much healing and growth that happened in the way that I relate as a husband or as a dad or together as a family that, and, and then even just broader in a community of friendships, It was so good and so healthy that it was a huge, compelling motivator for me to want to uproot and move to a new city to build something godly that allows a whole new group of people to experience what Jesus offers. And I'm very motivated by that. When it comes to the truly meaningful, life-altering experiences, the more that you've been impacted positively, the more you're compelled to share about it. And my faith is one of those things. It, it just didn't start that way, though. <laughs> For the first half of my life, my faith was, I would say, it's very personal and very private. And I didn't know how to talk about Jesus with people. And even just, just the thought of it was very intimidating. In fact, there was a guy I thought, all right, I, I just need to give this a try. There was a guy that I had good, I was good friends with during, you know, sort of out of college, and we would do recreation together and play video games. And we were playing pool one day, and I said, you know, um, you know, I'm a Christian, and it's a big part of my life. I was wondering if you would be interested in knowing what the Bible says it means to be a genuine follower of Jesus. In fact, it was probably more rocky than that. <laughs> and he looked up and he said, no, um, not interested. And I said, oh, Okay, Um, an eight-ball corner pocket. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. Honestly, my first attempts at sharing my faith were pretty weak and rocky and shaky. And in the years that I've spent more seriously walking with God, He's really helped me to see things in a richer light. And I I have begun to realize more and more just how much Jesus has done to rescue me. And so eventually a fresh fire was lit in me to share and start talking with people about Jesus and to invite them to come and see who he is. Jesus has radically changed my life and I want others to have the opportunity to have their own encounter with him. What I've discovered is that people respond in different ways. People have different obstacles as they encounter Jesus. People have different hesitations or concerns or different doubts. Um, Some people may be skeptical. Some people may have life experiences that draws them or pushes them away from Jesus. And in this message series, we're going to walk through the first few chapters of John. It's a letter. It's a biography about Jesus's life. And, you know, we get to see people who are invited to check out Jesus and they had different reactions. And so we kind of, you almost see different profiles, different kinds of people emerge. And you might identify with these people personally, or they might represent people that you would encounter today. And so we're going to read about men who had their lives changed by Jesus. And since it was such a positive change, they couldn't keep it in. (laughs) They had to share about it. We'll read about men whose lives were changed. And since it was so positive, they couldn't hold it in. They just had to go to the people they knew best and start talking right away. And this is often the case for us today, that as God brings good and positive change, we can become a bridge person for other people to learn and experience the good things we've experienced. And this really is a truth that we see, that we will see, is that God uses changed lives to change lives. We're going to see this dynamic played out twice in the first chapter of John. So follow along. You can listen to the story out of John chapter 1, and we're going to learn about a guy named Andrew, and he began hearing great things about Jesus. Andrew heard that Jesus was supposedly the Son of God and the Messiah, meaning a very important historical figure that he and his friends and his parents and his grandparents and everybody's been waiting for for a very long time, and they heard this actually might be the guy. So one day, Jesus walks by Andrew, and he knows he has got to learn more about this guy. And so Andrew and another disciple boldly walk up to Jesus, and up to this point, Andrew has had a desire for life change that has not been satisfied in any other aspect of life. And so in verse 38, uh, we read, When Jesus turned and noticed them, these two guys following, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Teacher was a, or a rabbi was a a title of respect and honor. And these guys, they weren't just curious about what hotel he was staying at. (laughs) This was a polite way of the day to ask for time and to get an interview with him. And Jesus says, come and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Come and see. These were the words that Jesus used that get echoed a few times in this book. And it's a friendly invitation from Jesus that it was really the response that Andrew was hoping for. And he was very eager to have some of his questions answered. And so as they sat with Jesus the rest of the day, I would love to know what that conversation was like. You know, sometimes when you meet somebody, you start out with some like, chit-chat about where you're from and what kind of things you're into and what your family is like. I, I mean, I wonder if they did that. And then when they got to like a meatier part of the conversation, what, what did they talk about for hours? Whatever it was, it was enough to fully persuade Andrew that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the long-awaited Savior and the Son of God. And we know this because it says in, in verse 41, He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And it's amazing that he goes to his brother first. I don't know who you would go to first, if it would be a sibling or someone else. Andrew is not content to merely deliver the good news about Jesus. He actually brings his brother along with him. Andrew obviously had a position of trust and influence with his brother, and and so he became that bridge. He became a bridge for the good news of Jesus to travel to Peter. Andrew is mentioned two other times in this book, in the Gospel of John, and in both cases, he's bringing someone to Jesus. And so he's definitely a bridge person. He's a bringer, and he's not the only one. The next person that we meet in this story is Philip. And in verse 43, we see that um, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. So Andrew and Peter, we looked at first, they're brothers. Now we're gonna look at Philip and Nathaniel, their friends. And Philip also can't keep the good news about Jesus to himself. So he immediately went to his friend Nathaniel and he told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. And you can see the way that Philip is using the word we. You know, he's he's already included himself in one of Jesus' followers, his pack. So here's Nathaniel's response Can any good come out of Nazareth? And um you know, there's kind of a, it would seem maybe a skeptical tone. Nathaniel would have thought Nazareth to be very insignificant. In fact, it was probably common that they would look down on people from there. And Philip responds, you know, this is a, a blunt, honest question, and Philip responds by saying, come and see, which obviously echoes Jesus's words from earlier in the story. And each of these men who eventually became devoted followers and disciples of Jesus, were given the invitation to come investigate for themselves the claims of Jesus. And so Nathanael does that in his first conversation, conversation with Jesus. Um, Jesus proves his legitimacy with some supernatural knowledge, and Nathanael is convinced, and he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. But initially, Nathaniel didn't trust Jesus, but he did trust his friend. So in this pair, Philip was the bridge person. You know, the the initial skepticism or hesitation is not entirely unlike, you know, we can find that in people today or in ourselves. Um, For anybody that's given the chance to come and see Jesus. For some people, their mind is made up that the, the whole Jesus thing is not legitimate. And... You know, Maybe it's nice for some people, but it is, it's certainly not something that you would prioritize your life around. And for other people, they might say that prayer and religion, it's, it's a last-ditch effort when things get really bad. And so Nathaniel said, can any good come from Nazareth? And it's possible you might be saying today, can any good come from taking Jesus seriously and following him? we sort through all kinds of doubts, and and that's normal, that's that's for everybody. In fact, even after a person becomes a Christian, you still sort through doubts, you've gotta settle some things. But these four men in this story completely rearranged their life priorities. And what's amazing is that people have been doing that for centuries. Ever since this happened, this has been cycling over and over again Despite numerous attacks throughout history on people who follow God, Christianity cannot be snuffed out. The Bible is the world's most reproduced book. Christianity has never and will never run out of steam. It doesn't get tired and worn out. There may be people that get tired of Christianity, and in some parts of our country, it may seem that that's happening. But I think it's more because as people, we have a tendency to want to live life in a way that doesn't synchronize with Jesus all that well. And so wherever you're at, you are welcome to explore Christianity here at your own pace. And it's our hope that by spending time with us, either online like this, or in person, or in a combination, that you get to see more of who Jesus really is. And little by little, that you'd yield your life completely to his command and his direction. Looking in the book of John, we see that God designed life so that people are used to connect others to Jesus, rather than Jesus going direct to every person. He chooses to work through people. It's incredible. He uses people like bridges. And if you think about what bridges are designed to do physically, um, there's one time I drove to Washington. We did a family vacation up on the Pacific coast, and it's a long drive. And then we went over a great many bridges <laughs> coming from Southern California. And there's one really big bridge, uh, the Columbia River Bridge that we used to get from Oregon into Washington. And given that this was a family trip, you can imagine my excitement to be arriving <laughs> into our destination state. And bridges allow you to travel over huge obstacles, rivers, gorges, canyons, other freeways. And bridges allow you to travel to new places that were previously restricted to you. I had never been to Washington before. And God uses our friendships and our trusted family relationships, like bridges, to, to bring the message of Jesus across. Someone may have a lot of obstacles in their life, preventing them and blocking them from really giving Jesus a serious look. But if we have built a lot of trust with a person, God's message might totally pass over those many obstacles, just like someone might be influenced by your recommendations for a restaurant or a place to go. We each have a unique network of relationships, and we can extend like many bridges into countless pockets of people, allowing the good news of Jesus to reach much farther. And in this way, God uses changed lives to change lives. My guess is that you're a fairly normal person, And amazingly, God uses normal people to get the message across and and to help make sense of Christianity. Right now, people have attended Valley Lights and, and may be attending this weekend only because they knew and trusted someone that's already attending, that they would never have come on their own. I told you about the friend who, when I first tried sharing my faith and it didn't go that great, and he was not interested Um, He and I lost contact for a while, and then a few years later, he walked into our church on a Sunday morning with a huge smile on his face, and he said, I've become a Christian! And I couldn't believe it. I was was so pumped. I gave him a big hug, and I was so encouraged that God kept it moving. But God used me and my friends at the time, a group of us, to have a, a part in his early faith journey. And then he got connected with another group of Christians that helped him to cross the line of faith and take the next steps. You might have a compelling desire to become a bridge person for the good news to travel. And here's some ways to do that. First, build trust. And you can ask yourself, who do I naturally have contact with right now? Which networks of people has God already given me access to? They may be... uh, coworkers of yours that you relate to, um, your neighbors that you live near, maybe you go to a gym or there's other ways. There's a lot of things that have been shut down over the past year, of course, but there's still ways that you may be interacting regularly with people. And how can I start building trust? And how can I establish contact with a new group of people? I mean, we've been jumping into new pools and activities to get around more people. God will put you in a position to earn the trust of others so that you can invite them to come and see who Jesus is. Another way of putting it is that Christianity is—it works best like electricity. It works when there's good contact. The power of God works really well in the middle of relationships, which is kind of amazing, you know, given our last message series is all about conflict in relationships and how things can get messed up. But it's true. When, when the relationships are, are well and there's trust, there's amazing power in that. Andrew and Peter were brothers. Philip and Nathaniel were friends. Family relationships and friendships are very conductive and conducive for the influence of Jesus to flow. And it takes involvement in the lives of others. It could help you think about some of your, your role in different environments that you can build trust. For example, at work, you could be a pace setter by winning respect, being kind, uh, doing your work with excellence, and having a lot of loyalty to the, the organization. Those are all ways that earn trust with people. In your neighborhood, you can see yourself as a host. Where I'm, I'm considerate, I, I take care of my lawn, um, I lend tools, or, or the way my family relates as we're getting in and out of the car, um, or even hosting people in our home. Those are ways to build trust. And in, in family, maybe extended family, I might see myself as a pillar where I decide I'm gonna consistently show love and faithfulness to people in my family over the long term. And some of these relationships do take a long time before there's influence granted. So building trust is the first step. Second, you can cash in your trust. And you can do this by sharing stories about God's faithfulness. This is often called a testimony. You just share your own stories about how God has provided for you and the impact that he's had. And this, is, this feels risky. In fact, the thought of it may make you feel uncomfortable because you don't know how people are going to respond. And you might think it's weird to talk about God. And I think there are ways that are of talking about God that are weird. <laughs> but, you know, when it's done naturally, I mean, I think it would be weird for me to not talk about God because of the huge role that He plays in my everyday life. This is one area where you do want to cash in your trust. You can also do that by inviting people to come to things, to come and see, or to come to a church service. Our aim is to make our Sunday morning services and worship gatherings appealing and understandable, where a person could make sense out of what's going on and realize, you know what? I think the Bible, it makes sense, and it actually seems like it would be helpful in my life. If you want to grow in this area, jot down the question, who do I know that might be interested in Jesus? And start writing down some names. Another way you can help the gospel travel to new people is to support another bridge person. So at the moment, your network of relationships might be low, but you can partner with people who have unchurched friends that are investigating. And it's really exciting to see someone commit their life to Christ because it can open up a whole new pocket of of people. Sometimes brand new Christians make the best bridge people because of so many relationships that are still outside of the church. And you can partner with people like this. And then finally, maybe the next step that you would consider taking is to make Jesus your Lord. Everything starts here. Perhaps you have come to see, and you're investigating, and you're experiencing what it would be like to walk with God, what His people are like, what He said in in His Word, the Bible. Today could be the day where you decide to become a full-hearted follower of Jesus. And in turn, you could become a bridge for His message to float to new people. If you'd like more information on what that involves and what that would look like, let us know on your connection card. Another kind of bridge that we're familiar with here in Santa Clarita are the Paseos, <laughs> and Paseos are, are miles of pathways. You know, A lot of them are in Valencia, and there's in fact, there's a bridge connecting the park that we meet at to the neighborhood that's across the street, and then there's a path that shoots off in other directions this way and that way, and countless neighborhoods in this city are all linked together. They're interconnected by these paths, and you may live in a neighborhood that's close to one. In the same way that we use these paths and these bridges to walk or bike or, or move from place to place and interact with different people, imagine if we linked together and God used us to spread the message of hope, of Christ and his love through all the neighborhoods in our city and in, through interconnected relationships. For every one of us, eternity is on the line. There's so much that could consume our focus and our attention day to day. But what could be more important than helping people to make the one decision that lasts for eternity? I love the simplicity of Andrew and Philip. They found Jesus and they couldn't contain it, and they immediately went to the people that they knew best, and they shared the good news and brought them to Jesus. Right now, we're about three weeks away from Easter, and this is the time to invite others to come and see who He is. There's a time in the year right now that People are more, than, more willing than ever, than usual, to respond to an invitation. God has changed our lives and now He can use us to play a role of tremendous life change for the better in others. It makes sense that God would use our fr- friendships and trusted family relationships for the most important message to travel across. Your network of relationships is already in place And there's people that you interact with on a regular basis. Will you use your influence to bring others to Jesus? I'd like to invite you to come back next week. We are going to continue reading from this part of the Bible. It's a letter written by John that records the moments when people decided that Jesus was legitimate and he was worth dropping everything to follow. And John even said that the goal of his letter was to show how people became convinced, so that we might become convinced. Next week, we're gonna look at a person who had some religious background, but still felt like he was missing something. And you'll hear a compelling story from someone from within our church that walked through a similar tension. So I hope you'll join us next week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the way that you radically change our lives for the better when we submit to you. And Jesus, you have done such a, a kind and gracious thing to walk this earth, to sacrifice for us, and it's exciting that you use us now to help other people make sense out of who you are and to show people your love. And I pray that you would, you would do that. You would stir within our hearts for those of us that walk with you now. Would you stir our hearts to share your love with others and the good news about you? For those that are still sorting and deciding and thinking it through, I pray that you'd provide the understanding needed and the clarity and just the, the ability to overcome doubts and hesitations, um, truly to, to surrender their lives to you as our Creator. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.